Content warning. Mention of murder. Hello and welcome to the Billy Shears Club. I'm your host, Caleb Clark, and with me today, once again, we have my dad. How are you doing today, dad? I'm very good, son. How's things up there in Detroit City? Oh, they're going pretty well, things. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and dive right in, if I don't mind a little bit of foreshadowing. Today we have two lovely albums for you. We have Ark of a Diver by Steve Winwood and Tapestry by Carol King. So, how about you start us off with a little bit on Steve Winwood, Dad? Alright, well, I'll say this. Steve Winwood, in my always on-point opinion, is one of the greatest... uh, British musicians of our era, modern modern era, and uh, I, I got to know, familiar with his work in the early 60s, and this album came out, I was 20, about 1980, I think it came out, and uh, was, at the time, uh, a good album. I, I fell in love with it, and uh, I was a Steve Woodwind fan before, but at that point, I became a lifelong devotee. And uh, it's interesting. I, I chose this album because it was. It brought big, great memories. Listening to the album, uh, unlike my wine and myself, the album did not age well. Uh, I, I was surprised at uh, how much of a product of the 70s slash 80s it was. Uh, but Steve Winwood is a phenom uh, going on 60 years. Uh, in the entertainment business, and just an unbelievable uh, history and background. And uh, I, I like, there's probably four tracks on this one that I, I really like. And Ark of a Diver, that title song, I consider one of the my favorites of all time, and deservedly so. But again, the rest of it uh, didn't, didn't hold up well with the passage of time, so... Uh, and we'll get a little bit more into Steve as we go along. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? Was it the first time you listened through it? Mm, I think you. I think you had mentioned like playing it casually, like when I was small. So like I may have heard it from there. But I think that was the first time I've like sat down to intently mm-hmm. listen to a yeah. Steve Winwood project. Although I guess right back when I was on Troublemakers, I did listen to one of his projects because I we had a Blind Faith album on. Back when he was in the mm-hmm. psychedelics with like traffic, yeah, yeah, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So a tiny bit familiar. Yeah. Right. This was pretty. This was a pretty nice one. It was sort of. I felt it was sort of a midpoint between sort of like the really late seventies sort of pop, funk, and soul. You know, the blue-eyed soul stuff like Doobie Brothers, and sort of mm-hmm. transitioning into like a more of that really athletic stuff. You know, like a kind of Saint Elmo's Fire E in a way. Yeah, like more of that eighties right. sound. Yeah. Well, right what's intriguing? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, me, I would say it's it's that. And what is the synthesizer? Do I hear a lot of synthesizer in this? Some of his music. Oh yeah, there's, there's a bit. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got those keys. <laughs> so to me, I guess you know, I, uh, it's interesting. Uh, last night, I was taking my bride out for our anniversary dinner, and we heard the song "I Will Survive" by Gloria Gaynor, a real you know classic, a great classic. And that was definitely end of disco pop era, you know, the 78. And this was kind of like the segue period. And like I said, it's not a proud, proud. It's sort of like my bottoms and uh, <laughs> clogged shoes that I used to wear. Uh, it, it served its purpose at the time. But it was definitely, this uh, to me, 
uh, like I said, you got the discos fading away. Uh, Saturday Night Fever was around, right around this time. And so, I mean, that was still going on. But this was clearly, we're getting more into the synthesizers and all the high, highly produced songs. And then, then we slide into the next one that I would think just off the cusp was the uh, Beverly Hills Cop with Harold Faltemeyer and the whole, you know, everything is manufactured versus the straight, you know, your your instruments so uh it was an interesting year like i said there had some high points uh, uh, but then a lot of a lot of stuff that just didn't do well with the times yeah yeah that's how that seems to be the trend when you get like right at the turn of a decade yeah well but but and you know you, you looking back on it like i said to me and i know you know some of his history but uh you know what was it age four just researching him so age four, he basically starts playing the piano. Man. And yeah, and by by high school, and here's the one. Where is it that had it? Oh, I know where it is. I got it over here in my other notes. But so he went to high school, and it was in his high school that uh, he really. I mean, this is just straight off of Wikipedia, which is my main source, my go-to. Uh, in high school, while he was at the uh, Great Bar, B-A-R-R, school, he played back to the following list. Did you see the list of people he played back up for in high school? I didn't. Let me... What, what's well, on there? I'll, I'll, just, I'll just enlighten you. Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, Holland Wolf, who I'm not familiar with, B.B. King, Chuck Berry, and Bo Diddley. So when uh, American artists were touring over in Europe in the the uh, continent or whatever they call England, you know, the, the cute names for them, colloquialism. I mean, to think you're a high schooler and, and you, you can put those people down on your resume as folks that you've played for, uh, that's that's just amazing right there. And I think it shows his talent. I mean, if, regardless of how dated the album has become, I mean, then you got Blind Faith, Traffic, you got that, all that. I mean, him playing with uh, Inger Baker and Eric Clapton. I mean, you know, this guy was, boy, he was something. And and what's even more fascinating is that currently, or last year, I guess, he was scheduled to do a tour. It basically is part of the Steely Dan tour. So, I mean, yeah, golly. What is he? I think He's got he's, potentials for days, all sorts of connections. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, well, and, and what was it? One of them, one band, I think it was Eric Clapton and Dave Mason. And Dave Mason had one big hit. But I mean, you know, his his career, you see a lot of people that go through and, you know, they had their thing and they had their peak and then, you know, they kind of fade away. Well, Steve Winwood has just been part of the music scene um, for forever. I mean, literally the modern modern era. I mean, he's it, and and you think later on some of those songs, uh, uh, back in the high life, uh, roll with it, baby. I mean, uh, what's the what's the big one from the nineties? Uh, I think it love. was higher uh, love. I mean, I yeah. mean, if if this guy did nothing else, he gave us some great commercial <laughs> songs that you know have played. <laughs> most of them, I think tended to be beer commercials. You know, back in the high life <laughs> and. Uh, and higher, but I mean, you know, that's some just wonderful music that he did. And, but that, that's some real staying power. I don't give, you know, I'm not a big, uh, who's the fellow with the Beatles? Paul the McCartney. Ringo, Paul. Oh, Paul. No, Paul, Paul, Paul McCartney. And then you got, uh, Keith, uh, Mick Jagger. 
Uh, you know, I mean, they're out there. They're just cashing in. I mean, Steve Winwood is the real deal. And I, there's not many 75-year-olds that I'd want to go see. I tend to think uh, Steve Winwood probably still can form just because he's, he's that much of a musical talent. And as you know, um, I mean, Ark of the Diver, that's 100% Steve Winwood, produced in his home studio and... Everything about the album was him, and uh, again, I don't, I wouldn't call it one of the greatest albums of all time, but at the time, it, it, it was a, it was a game changer. Yeah, yeah, that that in yeah. of itself, like you don't get a lot of albums where it's like Charlie One Dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, other than somebody playing with spoons and a mouth harp. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, well, let's, Anyways, well, let's get so, into it. Yes, let's let's do that. So. While you see a chance, so I was 20 years old in college, and um, Meatloaf was quite popular. Uh, Animal House was real current still, so they had those soundtrack one. And, you know, this was, I would say, one of the anthems of the time. While you see a chance, take it. And for people like us, and it's, it's interesting, today's graduation day here, um, you know, kids are graduating at from high school and they had a ceremony at the church uh I, I mean i remember going back 41 years when the song came out and it's a song about future potential uh taking on life and, and grasping it so while you see a chance um uh, just a great tune and uh i'll always be a fan of it what's your yeah, thoughts I on thought it? Was, is it ears that was a really nice one yeah very lots of really good keyboard licks and he's got that mm-hmm. really nice vocal line all very yep. slick and energetic. Yeah. It's a good tune. It's a good time. He's sort of, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know, vocally sort of Phil Collinsy, which is a very good fit. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Phil kind of connections to Phil with him. So, yeah, but it was uh, it was big. I happened charts. I don't think it was the top, you know, chart buster. It was up there. It ran strong. Uh, I remember going to Uncle Brother Kevin's wedding, and it was, it was all over there. Uh, he would, uh, he, I think people were aware of him, but this is his breakthrough, and that's made him to the point of 60 years later, people still know who he is. This album opened the door for him. So, yeah. That is a song that you don't hear often, and a whole lot of airplay, but the title track, Ark of a Diver, which to me is the one song that truly despite all the equipment background and this great song uh, the artwork on the uh, album was always intriguing to me i always liked it it's quite pleasing to me. and and it's just um Linwood, all over the place uh quality production and i love the song arc of a diver and uh <laughs> I don't think it did much at all on the charts, but as far as itself, uh, I, I think it's—I'd say by far my favorite song by Steve Winwood, and I, I think it, it's just some of the acid '60s stuff, maybe some—I uh, don't—I don't know, jazzy, whatever it is. But it's a, a real conglomeration of different uh, types of music, and uh, it, I'm just a huge fan of the song. Your, your yeah, thoughts? This was a pretty good. Yeah, this was a pretty good one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think this is where, he, like you say, trying to the different genres. This one felt a little bit trying to be funkier. 
then while you see a chance, like they had a little try to be a little yeah. bit groovier, had really nice guitar licks. I felt like maybe one the one real weakness I would say about the album is that this drumming is much more suited to the very straightforward eighties pop rock style than like when he tries to get more groovy. I feel yeah. he's a very up tempo on the beat type yeah. drummer, which it's a good style, it just yeah. it just isn't like fit with some of the when he tries to be more. Be. I think the term, uh, the, the genre, you would. I was saying it was bluesy to be a little bluesy with it. Yeah, like I think it's a little know. bluesy. No, that's like a. I think that's like bluesy. A, not a bluesy. at all. <laughs> yeah, but like uh, hearing it forty years later, I still just love it. And if I'm gonna play, if, I, if I'm at the gym, if I'm at the riding, and I want to hear. Tucson. Right there, Ark of a Diver. Secondhand Woman, on the other hand, the third track uh, in the day, liked it a lot. Into it, mm, I'm impressed. I don't know what I was thinking. Did <laughs> I listen? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it felt like, you know, he doesn't like the woman he's singing about, but you never really get enough lyric to really know why so it's just like huh this this woman is not well liked but yeah still yeah got really good hook i got the refrain playing in my it head. did yeah a little contrived a little contrived for me he was he was forcing it yeah yeah he's, then we got he's not a human woman hater. no he's he's no uh he's no neil diamond uh girl be a woman now <laughs> Now, slow down, sundown. Okay, I mean it's it's vintage Steve. Uh, if I was back in 1980 with my my corduroys or my dungarees on and my Converse, uh, I'd still be listening to slow down, sundown. Uh, I fast forward through it. Thoughts on that one? I don't know. I did. I got to like that one. Like it starts off a little bit. Like I think it's one that as it builds. You feel it more because like it's a much more sad song and like once mm-hmm. the you get more into the gospel side and the instrumentation layers up i feel like it gets a lot more enjoyable but the very beginning is it's it's definitely slower than most of the songs on here and it gets mm-hmm. like i feel i feel it when it's like at its climax i would say yeah yeah well like i said it was you know it was i'll say this I'm thinking back, back, and this is kind of fun because, you know, I mean, it goes back to listening to the vinyl and flipping it. And I think even back in the 80s, I would listen to the first three tracks or songs, and then I would be flipping it over. And uh, so Slow Down, Sundown would usually get a a quick quick, uh, pass by me going into another one that I really liked at the time. Uh, it hasn't held up that well. Spanish Dancer. Just thought, nice tune. Uh, I liked it a lot then. It's okay now. But uh, like I said, uh, unlike its author, uh, it hasn't done so well with over time. Uh, I thought it was a good song. I, I like almost everything about it. And I'm not sure why now I did. Because listening to it again, I probably haven't heard it in five years. And... Uh, it just wasn't much for me anymore. You? Yeah. 
I yeah, I I think of the songs it was probably the one I wasn't I was the least keen on, I guess. Maybe it's just something with the way that he tried to work the sense on this one in particular. Didn't quite right. work for me. I guess the Yeah. It doesn't quite like have that sense of like build and structure. It's more you know broad, I would say. Kind of yeah, like a yeah. Sort of like how, you know how like uh, In the Air Tonight is more sort of mm-hmm. ambient? I mean, it has the drum thing, but it's more of just like this broad synth pad sort of feel. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt more like that than most of these, which were a little bit more, you know, section and such. Yeah, well, really. yeah, well, well, I'll say this, I think. And, and and it's funny how you think about, you know, as they were doing the album, you wonder what they were doing, how many songs they had going on in their head at one time. Uh, going to the next one, Night Train, again, not one of my favorites of his at the time. And I don't know how I would rate it today, but overall, I think Night Train is maybe, to me, maybe the best song on the album. Uh, just everything about it. Uh, I, I just think that... Uh, I think it's a great song. Uh, I don't know. There's something about it. Uh, just really good stuff. I, I really liked it. Uh, uh, let's see. What else did I have to say about it? Uh, musically, o- overall, I think it's more of the whole overall. and. Night Train, I would say, is the best song, if I analytically. What were your thoughts on Night Train? Did you? Long one. What did you think? I think it was probably. I think it may have been, may very well been my favorite too. Yeah, it's definitely because it's like, yeah, it's definitely the one that has a bunch of fun, and he's just doing solos on all his instruments, just like mm-hmm. giving it his all. I feel like that's really where he's in his element because. The big strength of the album is just like he's able to do all these different instruments and put in all these licks and hooks and melodies. And so when it's a song that's pretty much entirely focused on jamming as much, you know, different line solos in, that's where he really excels. Yeah. Into is the whole. This is me, you know, doing my my uh, album in my studio. And it's a one-of-a-kind, first time I'm going to do exactly what I want. And he did. For it. And that it got any air. Uh, but, but and it's so funny. Back then, like, you know, kids would, where you just download singles and specific. You know, this is songs. It's kind of fucking say, 80s, here's a song with that a lot of and you were forced to say the song when you bought the album and I was glad I did I would never, never and but by and, uh, it exposed me and I, I would say it's five songs there's that yeah, pretty hip uh, nothing great too much but uh Overall, I think that uh, uh, Chance, Arc of a Diver, uh, 
uh, and I make this album uh, keeping in my collection. And All right. So you're up. Let's talk Carol King. All right. Carol King time. So, yep. General background for listening audience. So Carol King, when she was young, she ended up learning much like Steve Winwood. She learned piano at a very young age, like I think basically three. Uh, and like just loved learning all the different songs on the piano. That's like from the radio and stuff. Uh, when she got into high school, she like joined a band and would make song demos for twenty five dollars to pop with her friend Paul Simon. And then uh and after a little then she ended up marrying fellow songwriter what's his name? Yeah, Jerry Goffin. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jerry Goffin would end up uh, collaborating on a bunch of songs together, like sort of at night, like they had their jobs, but eventually got a big hit called Will You Love Me Tomorrow? Will You Love Me Tomorrow? Which they wrote for this Check which band it was. At the Shirelles. Uh, Will You Love Me Tomorrow by the Shirelles. That was a big hit. And so they ended up becoming part of what's called the Brill Building. That was like the bit, of course, the big songwriting fact, basically factory that operated through much of the 50s and 60s. And they recorded, wrote the lyrics for a bunch of hits, including uh, a song by the Drifters and You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin. Unfortunately, they end up uh, divorcing towards the end of the 60s, which is also when the Brill Building starts to become less prominent as the more of the psychedelic rock scene becomes the major factor and there's less emphasis on these songwriter factory type sit-ups. And she ends up, Carol ends up moving to Laurel Canyon with like Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and all the other songwriters of the early 70s. Uh, she starts making music with them. She has the big breakout with this one, Tapestry, her second album while she's out there. And keeps releasing music throughout the 70s with collaborating often with the other song, singer-songwriters. Then around, she does that for most of the 70s. After about 83, it becomes a bit more sporadic, like she does some sound work, soundtrack work, occasionally drops an album. Uh, let's see. I know in the 90s she did some work, still songwriting with uh, Mariah Carey and Celine Dion, among others. Uh, she had a really big, successful tour with uh, James Taylor in the 2010s. And, yeah, she's just sort of kept somewhat active, even to this day, and also does, like, environmental work and stuff. So, yeah, that's the Carol yeah, King background. Great. And what was it? A, was it a, uh, a play, a theater, a Broadway musical, whatever, the Carol King show? Are you Carole familiar King with no, I mean it was. Uh, I'll say this: I know uh, my my bride. She went and saw it. Yeah, Carol King uh, show. There was a show about her. I think Broadway musical. Oh, look. Yeah, it looks like there's one that was called uh, Beautiful. It was like a. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Your mother's your mother. My my bride. Your mother. Uh, she went with somebody and saw it. And uh, I would have gone. But uh, Carol King was, you know, boy, yeah, she still, she can still put on the music too. Yeah. 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 yeah that was, uh, 
I can say this much. I just remember this. So this album, I was in fifth or sixth grade. And this, how long was it? Do you know how long it was on the charts? Uh, I cut it up on here. Let me, let me this has gone diamond, which means like 10 million. Uh, let's see. It was number one on the Billboard 200 for 15 non-consecutive weeks. And it held the record for most non-consecutive weeks at number one for a female solo artist until Whitney Houston with the Bodyguard soundtrack. And still holds the record for most consecutive weeks at number one. Yeah, yeah. How many weeks did you say number one? Uh, 15 in total. Yeah. It's no uh, Lil Nas, what was his name? Lil Nas X? Yeah, yes. <laughs> but she was she was legit. She was a legit performer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, it, 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 it was something. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I was right in that sweet spot. Uh, so I was 11 years old when it came out. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this was just this, you know, it's kind of, I'm trying to think, you know, there's, there's certain, uh, I'll say this, here's the albums that really hit me. Uh, you know, the Neil Diamond one that we talked about previously, this one photographs and memories by Jim Croce. And, you know, you can call it tapestry, but it's basically Carol King's greatest hits. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Amazing album, amazing talent. Yeah, yeah it's just stacked with songs. Banger after banger. Well, not banger, banger, but you know. Really good yeah, song. yeah, I understand. So I thoroughly enjoyed listening to him. I mean, I listen to him all the time. I think she's one of the few people that I have like more than five songs on my uh music music inventory yeah, how many of them yeah. are from uh, tapestry out of curiosity all of them i think all of them oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah no i mean this yeah i mean there there's some of the true classics of you know the ones that span time that'll never never get never be old so yeah Get into them then, like uh. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, first one. I feel the earth move. What do you think on that? Oh, I just love it. Uh, who covered it? Who's covered it? Or somebody? I mean, I know other people have, but uh, great song, uh, great tempo, uh, lyrics are good. Uh, I'll say this. I think most of us that uh, think about her and a lot of this music, and I know it wasn't. True, but we do associate John, uh, James Taylor with with her. So, you know, you kind of there's always a connection. Was she thinking of James Taylor when she wrote this one too? But uh, you know, great song, upbeat, uh, powerful, uh, lyrics good, melodies good, tune every everything about it's just just great. I mean, I just how can you not love? Uh, I feel the earth move. So I give it I give it two thumbs up. Yeah, it's definitely a fantastic opener with that jangly piano line, the mm-hmm. low guitar licks. She's just yep. got that real spirit and personality to her vocal mm-hmm. presence. Mm-hmm. 
And it's kind of <laughs> that you can tell that she used to work in more of the R&B side of things because it still has that very Mo County structure you can kind of see. Like, you can imagine in your head if, like, there were some more strings and, it, like, little parts where, you know, the, the har- doo-wop harmonies would come in. And it's, like, sort of interesting to see that history of hers sort of influence mm-hmm. her solo work. But it's really tight song. It's a banger. Great solo oh, yeah. section just all around. Good song. Yep. So, no, yep. It was a great way to start the album. Love it. Uh, never, you know, if that song comes on, I'm not going to turn the station. 50 years later. <laughs> now, the next, yeah. next song, I can't say the same because, so you go from that to So Far Away, uh, introspective, wonderful, beautiful, and all that. But, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit of a downer. And uh, if I'm having a good day and I get my foot tapping uh, and that comes on, I mean, most of the time, I want to hear it. And her voice, I think this is one of the ones I'd say her voice really resonates. I mean, boy, you talk about somebody some soul, and I'm not talking, you know, ooh, I got, you know, I got troubles. It's, you know, real soul, soulful voice. And uh, she, she's she's brilliant. You're not- yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's uh, very much a whiplash from the banging piano to those much slower one but i do really like it. it's that very but i feel when i listen to this album is this very intimate warmth of just like a friend just talking to you and it's just that sort of direct relational honesty and mm-hmm. she just hits this really sad note of longing and yearning but also acceptance in a way but mm-hmm. really good sad song oh yeah Strong well which I'll jump ahead, but you know, will you love me tomorrow? I mean, there's some, you know, that's some some deep, deep stuff going on in her, you know, in her psyche and her lyrics, every everything about them. I mean, these are just, you know, it's hard to say. You know, there's always it's like, what's the best movie? Well, you know, it depends what kind of movie you're talking about, but you know, it's you, oh man, you know, individually and as a compilation, this album is just amazing. <laughs> Which is how I would describe the next tune. It's too late. And I'll say this about It's Too Late. I, I could tell you it came out, I think, in the spring. I'm guessing spring of 71. And if it did, then it was that summer. I think it was that, that's the same year that uh, American Pie came out. Or maybe they were a year apart. But I'll say this. American Pie was a big hit. And it was so big and so long that, you know, it was a, a showstopper when it came on. But they would occasionally play American Pie two times in a row because it was such a phenomena. This wasn't played two times in a row, but it got more airplay. And I know I was, you know, 11, 12. And so I was going through some of my emotional growth. And It's Late was like one of the first songs that really made me start. Um, I Am I Said made me think. Neil Diamond song made me think about, you know, your future and who you are and, and What's your purpose? Song started an emotional angst over, uh, you know, a love lost or like, what a song, what a heartbreaker. Yeah, it's another one that it really gets you on. Yeah, just the just the knowledge that you can't make it, like as like she says in the song over and over again, Mm -hmm. with just that great melody, Mm -hmm. the backup singers. It's really nice one. 
another one that sort of shows the R&B style, but this is more of a 70s, like a Marvin Gaye around, because this is like pretty contemporary with Marvin's Gaye, what's going on. It feels like it can mm-hmm. fit very well in that vibe. It's just the mm-hmm. structure of it, but yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost, a, it's probably about as heartrending as So Far Away, but like since it has the more of the groove, it's you almost don't recognize it. That's just yeah. a sad. Yeah. Oh yeah, just a heartbreaker. A sad, sad song, but beautiful song. Okay. Home again. Your thoughts? That was kind of nice. That was a, another back going back to the ballad, as mm-hmm. a nice sentiment of being able to return to home. As it's more yes. upbeat. It was kind of it was nice. Yeah, it's okay. You know, it's funny. I mean. Uh, what is there? Twelve tracks on this song, this album. I mean, you think about the amount of talent in those twelve, twelve songs. It's just, it's just amazing. So uh, I'll give her a break. You know, you can't. Every everyone can't be a classic. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, beautiful. It's interesting. I think beautiful is a nice song. It's a real good song. Um, it's a Carol King song, but it doesn't do much for me. I don't know what it is about it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I felt pretty similar. It's got that really great first second, you know, where it's got just the piano chord and you you gotta get up every morning. But mm-hmm. yeah, when you're listening, I don't know something. The melody just, I don't know, it just doesn't quite work as tight yeah. as the other ones. But it's definitely nice. It is, it is, and but it seems to me it's yeah. You know, I was talking about this with your 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 mother, and. Um, mm-hmm. And last night about a song, and I said, you know, I forget who. Oh, I know. Are you familiar with the artist Chris Stapleton? Yeah, I've heard some of his songs. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's in his most recent. I said, you know, it's funny. When you sit down and write a song like those, it's not Tennessee Whiskey was a cover, so that doesn't count. But the second one, I think, may be an original. And I said, you know, it's got to be something. When they're to think that you go from a blank piece of paper and just the tune in your head to writing it down, getting the lyrics, and then when they play it for the first time in some sort of recognizable form, you just know they got to sit there and say, boy, that's going to be a hit. Um, it's too late, far away. I feel that uh, too late, uh, so far away. I'm thinking Carol King sat there and said, man, those are, those are going to be hits. Beautiful. Uh, I don't know that she counted as a hit. It wasn't a hit, I don't think. And it's understandable. It's good, good track though. It's it's more than more than acceptable filler on an album. There's been a lot worse. So, and way over yonder doesn't do much for me at all. I just, you know, I don't know. Again, filler, filler to me. I don't know. That one was nice. I felt that had a bit more to it than Home Again, just because it's got more of trying to be the gospel style mm-hmm. and just that sort of emotion to it. I felt that mm-hmm. a little bit more than the, than the previous two tracks. I thought it was nice. Okay, good. All right. How about You Got a Friend? That's nice. Like, you know, I don't have a friend of sucker too. Isn't a soundtrack in one of the Disney movies or something? There's you've got a friend of me on a. Oh, Toy Story. there you go. Never mind. Yeah, that's that's yeah. his name. What's the, the little guy, Randy Newman? Randy Newman, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, now you got a friend, isn't that the collaboration though with 
Jim Taylor. James Taylor. Uh, looks like James Taylor did a cover of it, and that went to like number one. Yeah, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there was a back and forth there between them. You know, it's it's funny. His was the one that charted and and did so well. But when you listen to hers, he's got nothing on her. You know, yeah. she oh, it looks is, like went to number one too. Did it? Okay. Well, that's that's amazing. Well, I just know this. You know, both of them are are. You talk about you know your your top hundred songs. <laughs> I don't know if you have uh, two times that uh, different artists playing the same song could could get it, but they both are. I mean, James Taylor is the iconic version. Hers is just wonderful, though. So I I I, I give her nothing but kudos for uh, that song. Yeah, it's definitely it's really nice to hear. It's just mostly because yeah. I'm just a real sucker for professions of friendship and loyalty. Like, that's sure. just always nice. And it's, like you say, she's got this really good way with melodies and tempo and lyrics, and it comes together really well. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. And after that, we got Where You Lead. I don't really have a whole lot on that one, so if you have anything. Yeah, you know, I just, uh, now that one, I do remember it getting a, a substantial amount of airplay. Catchy tune. Everybody liked it. It's, uh, you know, it wasn't going to be a Grammy Award winner, but um, it was a solid hit, and it, it's aged well. Um, you know, just classic Carol King. Uh, pretty tune, nice lyrics. Uh, great voice, uh, meaningful lyrics. So, yeah, I mean, not not one of my favorites, but I mean, on any on a scale of one to ten, that I give it a seven or eight, just because it's it's her, and uh, it deserves it. But then you go to number nine track, "Will You Love Me Tomorrow," and that's the ten. Yep, what a ten. I mean, boy, beach. She's a student of the heart and uh, she knows how to get you there. And uh, it's funny, you know, when you're 10, 11 years old and you're hearing about her failed marriage and all that, and you just hear the music and you're like, how could you not want to be married to Carol King? I mean, she was beautiful and she's got this beautiful music and she's tapping into your emotions. And uh, yeah, that one, boy, you know, it's just, I mean, when you got an album like this and out of 12 songs, like six of them are, all-time favorites uh it's it's it speaks volumes of her but uh that is one of her great tunes yeah yeah it's definitely a really good one i'm a i'm a sucker for these sort of mm-hmm. love songs that have that note of insecurity oh, yeah. as all most of my album picks have probably given away but yeah it's, it's another really great one very sad it's sort of interesting yep. I, I hadn't actually heard the original version because like while Carol King had written the lyrics for the original, like this was technically a cover. And I went back and like mm-hmm. even in that original, like, you know, it's got sort of the doo-wop real group feel, but it's much more understated yeah. than a lot of the stuff that you would get at the time. So it's sort of yep. interesting seeing it translated back to Carol where it's even more subtle. And yeah, I mean Well, you know, it's her and the piano and you know, you think about it, I mean, here we are in twenty twenty and people are dropping or two hundred dollars to have her sit there and tell a story about her and her piano. I mean, there's 
there's substance to her music and uh, this song was clearly one of the one of the top ones yeah definitely yeah and then you got Sackwater jack good tune catchy tune fun tune Nah, doesn't do much for me but it's you know i recognize that i like it but you know like i said if it's on the radio i may listen to it i may not yeah, just, this this one and also the next one I'll go ahead and give away Tapestry. They both yes. really threw me for a loop. Snackwire mm-hmm. Jack because I was not expecting uh, Mac the Knife style murder ballad in the middle of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, aberration. That's for sure. Yeah, like I guess you could theoretically hear a Carol King murder song. It's just you don't expect mm-hmm. to hear one. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Now, Tapestry, though, I just love Tapestry, and I think uh, it goes back to, like, Ark of a Diver for Steve Winwood. Uh, title mm-hmm. track, and I don't think it got the airplay. I don't think it got the recognition, but I just think it's a great song. What are your I thoughts on that? I didn't, get it, I didn't get it personally. Like, I just, like, it felt much more, like, you know, sort of the one of those psychedelic rock narrative songs where it's just this unstructured stream of images. So I didn't really get that much from it, but if you have the more connection, I'll defer to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean it was just, you know. Yeah, it it, it is. Uh, to me, like I said, I, and maybe it was more of a song of the moment, but uh I always liked it and I just it was I always found it quite moving. Mm. and then finally natural woman it's funny just because uh your mother is a runner i don't know if she's ever told you about this song but uh when she was younger and she would run she would finish her runs and as she was warming down in the driveway she would belt this out in the driveway of their house over behind and lee high school this was her song oh yeah 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 great song Great song, another anthem. I mean, she's Helen Reddy was the like the inferior uh, Carol King for you know just a song like this. Helen Reddy, you know the "I Am Woman" song. Are you, are you familiar with I, I Am Woman? Oh, you need to look I it up. It was one of the great. What's that? Like I am a woman, hear me roar. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that's uh, Helen Reddy. She came on the scenes, hit it big, stayed around for a while. And it was one of the big anthems. And you got to realize, of course, we're talking, you know, the 60s, just come out of the 60s. And we're all into empowerment and and change. And so Natural Woman was not just a song. I mean, it was an anthem for women at the time. And, uh, you know, an empowering song, beautiful song, classic Carol King. She's something. Yeah, it's definitely really the tune and another one where it's uh you know like i mentioned earlier where it's a cover but one where carol king had already written the lyrics and so she just bring once again brings that emotional drive to it which was also in the aretha franklin one but like mm-hmm. so it just hits different like it's you know usually when you have the song where it's you take this really upbeat one song and then you decide oh i'm just going to do the piano or i'm just going to do acoustic guitar it feels like you know you just 
hopping out to tug the, tug the emotional heartstring, you know, like how there's always like all the ones for like Hey Ya or a few other really upbeat songs that get covered into, you know, slow songs. And it's like, oh, the song works or sad. But this one really works because she still has that buoyancy in her and the joy of the sort of love that whoever she's singing about is giving to her. And that's really nice. It's really good closer to yeah. the album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and, and again, going back to, you think about it when they finished up recording that, can you imagine them just sitting around realizing, I wonder if they had any idea what they had done. But uh, what is it? So it's 50 years ago right now. This stuff was coming out. And uh, it, it was it was epic, to quote uh, Barney from How I Met Your Mother. Epic. I think it was Barney. I think it was Barney. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, but uh, Carol King, uh, two thumbs up. If she never produced another song after this, it was okay. I mean, this is her uh, cemented her place in, in history with this album. I mean, it's just amazing. You think about that, yeah. So that was 50 years ago, Steve Winwood's 40 years ago. In between the two, I mean, you know, he's still there and doing things and and still making a difference and or at least performing and doing well, but her album is history. I mean, Steve, Steve Wood is a historic musician. She is history herself, and this album was just what an amazing. I'm surprised that, it, and it's funny, this came out today with all the social media and the difference in the way things are done. This album, I think, would crush. It's what it did earlier. I think it would, those figures in the 70s would pale in comparison to this because you're talking about a drive to the store and buy that album and now you know it's so much easier i think this this album would just just dwarf the numbers i i'm sorry i don't know if mr shoes were dwarf uh it would make those other numbers look tiny teeny tiny yeah i'll give her two thumbs up and a pinky I'll give her the extra two thumbs up and another pinky. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Well, that's about all the time we have for today, folks. The albums we listened to were Ark of a Diver by Steve Winwood and Tapestry by Carol King. I'm Caleb Clark. And this is Brian Clark. And thank you for listening to the Billy Shears Club.